All right. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to uh, Straight Out of Islington, an Arsenal podcast uh, with your hosts. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, my, I'm Mario, and uh, Ryan is with me back again. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Good, Mario. Good. Good to be back. Two in a row. So we're, we're on a big uh, bit of a patch patch of form, which is good. So hopefully, we, like Arsenal, we can keep it going for week three, right? Yeah, exactly. You just got to take it one week at a time. Um no, thank you. Uh, we're starting a little bit late. Uh, I had a, a doctor's appointment just before this, so. Um, but we're staying on track. I want to do this, uh, and uh, I have other friends as well that wanted to uh, to join in. Not necessarily today, but maybe uh, we can have them join um, at a different date just to get more perspective. So that'll be great. Um, but the uh, task at hand here is uh, Arsenal uh, versus West Ham this past weekend. Uh, and then tomorrow they face Leicester for the Caribou Cup, or as I'd like to say, I really don't care about these uh, cup games, but uh, they're important uh, in some aspect, but not really. Um, I, you know, we'll probably just do a, a recap of that very quickly next week um, because I'm pretty sure I don't get that channel to watch it anyway, so I'll probably just end up watching the highlights. But um, Arsenal two, West Ham one. Uh, let's get let's get right into it, Ryan. Um, Different kind of lineup um, with uh, Kalasinac in, Ceballos in, Saka in. Um, I think those were all the major changes uh, from the from week one. Um, that really kind of shitty game. It was really boring to me. Yeah, and the, the big thing was Tierney uh, getting injured in the warm-up, which led to that... Uh... Uh, class match coming in in his place, which I think we talked about last week, you know, Tierney becoming a fan favorite and, and being vital to this team. And I think his absence was pretty well uh, stated in this match. Um, I think I, I mean, I've made my opinions on class match as a footballer pretty clear, but in case there's some new listeners to the podcast, I just, I think he's a pretty terrible footballer at this level. Of course, he's not a terrible footballer, uh, and, and you know, if he was on one of our Sunday league teams, he'd be pretty good. But at this level, I think he's just poor quality, low IQ, bad instincts, uh, low technical ability, all, all of the above. So I think when he he comes in, and we have kind of that slow, kind of turgid uh, lack of burst or ingenuity on that kind of left pairing with him and Jaka, that that really slows down our attack and makes us kind of predictable and also is he's a bit of a liability going back as we saw on West Ham's uh only goal um yeah so that 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 was the big change that I think threw a bit of a wrench into the into the tactics into the energy of the team more than anything um and I think that's kind of showed itself early on and really throughout the 90 minutes was uh, you know, West Ham was was well organized, um, got men behind the ball. Our movement at times was pretty static, pretty um, uh, non-dynamic guys kind of standing in a, in a single line. Uh, again, similar to what we saw a lot last year. Um, the times we did have good movement off the ball, we were running in behind was, was when we opened them up and, and created chances. Uh, saw a few disconnects on on timings of those runs and then the balls not being delivered or just the runs not being made themselves so overall it was it was a bit of a you know a bit of a uh slow 
like you said, pretty boring match. Um, but that being said, th- those were the type of matches that so often we were drawing or losing or not making the most of it. And, and there's going to be matches throughout the season um, when you have to win ugly, you have to play below your standard and still come out three points, especially at home, especially against a team that you have more quality than what you do um, compared to West Ham. And uh, listen, these, these are, these are the type of matches where you were top four is made. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not beating city or Liverpool necessarily, but it's eking out these wins when you play poorly. And that that's, that's a sign of progress for me. Yeah. And you, I think you were bang on like Kieran Tierney was really missed because um, Obama Yang was, was hardly seen this game I feel and you can clearly tell how Tierney is so important on that left side because he would I think him and uh, Obama Yang have this understanding so early in in Tierney's career at Arsenal that that I think that was highly missed Uh, Saka was a bit off as well I think Um, so I mean I, I think everybody was pretty well off there was some misplaced passes here and there but even even Leno um had a really bad game I had some friends of mine uh sending me message well I think it was not friends it was my dad I was speaking to my dad about this and he's like whoa that that keeper is terrible like you guys should get rid of that keeper um but clearly that's just my dad being uh trolling uh I told him he's like has to be a troll. <laughs> I, I think it's Germany number two, uh, German number two or three or whatever. But I told him, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, he had I, I he had a pretty bad game. But, I mean, everybody has a bad game. Um, and we all knew West Ham was, you know, they these little clubs, as people call them, um, they, they always set up like what? They had like a, a back five, back six at times. And um, I... I I think it was uh, it was just one of those off games, and like you said, you have to like these are the types of matches that we would have lost in previous seasons. Um, I think Gabriel had a pretty good match, considering Antonio is a tank. Um, I thought he was really, uh, he, I think he played well against Antonio's attack, um, and I mean we were lucky to. Hey Ryan, oh Ryan left the meeting. Uh, this isn't good. <laughs> hey, Ryan. God damn it. These new headphones, my AirPods died. So I tried, I tried these cheaper versions and that they're like the headphone, the earbud piece is slightly not big enough. So they keep kind of slipping <laughs> out of my ear canal. So I try to push them in and it, the fucking one touch turn off button. Of course oh, did, so. hey, that's okay. Hey, hey, Sorry, that's man. what, that, that's what happens. All good. All good. I, at least you're it. back. I'm like, oh man, Ryan's yeah. already tired of hearing my voice. So <laughs> um, terrible takes. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> uh, but no, Sorry like, I was, no, it's all good. Um, no, like I was just saying, I think um, Gabriel played very well against Antonio, all things considered. And, and for a second there, like, you know, before Enketia scored, what were you thinking? Is this going to be a game that we could have won at one nil and we just blew it or we're just going to, a tie is a fair result at this point. Yeah. I, I have to be honest. I didn't see where that big chance and, and goal w- would be coming from. We just, again, we lacked kind of that dynamic 
explosive output in the middle and final third. And I think, I think everyone was, was a bit off their game, as you mentioned, but I think Saka, obviously he showed in, in both the first goal, which he had that through ball to Aubameyang um, and then the through ball to Ceballos. He is, he is one of the few players who, what I noticed from him is the way he receives the ball he, in in tight space, he receives it kind of in a half turn. What does my head in and really drives me crazy is, especially players at this level, they so often receive the ball completely with their back turned to the opposition and, and their back turned to the, you know, the the attacking direction in, in which we need to go. And so it just limits it. It, it. They have to then stop, full stop, receive the ball, then turn and it, and it that's the that's the half second difference between bursting into space, wriggling out of pressure, and, and then and then running at the defense, and then having to play it back to the defender, back to the fullback, or play it sideways. And what Saka does so well, especially for young players, he and I think the player does it the best probably in world football is is Kevin De Bruyne. If you watch him, he almost never receives the ball with his back turned to the goal. He's almost at very least at a half turn, or if not fully lets the ball run across him. And, out, and by the time the ball is at his feet, he's already running towards the defense or he's got his head up looking where to, where his next pass is going to be. So I think. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> uh, it's not, it's never a podcast without um, some hiccups here, but that's okay. Uh, I'm going to try to keep you entertained during this inter- uh, mission while we hopefully get Ryan back uh, onto the podcast. Um, there yeah, he is. <laughs> All right, uh, I gotta I gotta change out the earbuds because they keep. Let me get. You know they give you like eight different sizes and. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know the replace the little rubber pieces. Yeah, those somewhere. are those are terrible. God damn it! It's all good. It's all good. I mean. Like my AirPods, but they like now they don't hold the charge and they die in like twenty yeah, minutes. So. They're they're terrible. They're done. Yeah, got to go back to the old uh, cable cable. Yeah, I know, right? Wire. All right, give me a sec. Let me uh, yeah, try some sure. new sizes on here. <laughs> uh, well, during. During this time, uh, while Ryan gets his stuff fixed, um, there's some interesting things happening. Arsenal obviously talking about Thomas, uh, some huge stuff there. Uh, Lucas Torreira trying to uh, leave, I guess. Uh, we'll try to talk to Ryan about that and get his opinions. And then this this crazy, mysterious swap deal with Chelsea involving Arsenal player and, of course, a Chelsea player, which is very interesting. Um, because who would Arsenal want from Chelsea? Um, I don't know. And when Ryan gets back, definitely interested in talking to him about that as well. So yeah, a couple of things to talk about on this podcast. Bear with me. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Oh man. This right is good. I might just do. Actually, I'll read some comments here. Um, Ceballos, uh, El Nene for Ceballos, Arteta, please don't play, play again. Our defense needs El Nene to minimize oppon op uh, opponent's attack. Hmm? Why did Ceballos get man of the match? Is it because the who scored algorithm is overly weighed towards dribblers? 
<laughs> uh, Ceballos had only two dribbles. Your comment does not make sense. Uh, Saka was the best on the field tonight for Arsenal. He has a key pass for every goal. Arsenal scored two goals with only three shots on goal the entire game. Okay, you're making a statement. Uh, Ceballos, the omnipresence. Uh, Rob Holding, hold nothing today and every touch. Better loan him. We need we need players like that. Um, yeah, I don't know if you're back, Ryan. I can continue reading comments. Um, I am back. Let's let's have a go at it. Okay, here we go. As I as I submit a return for these headphones, but we'll try to get through it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so should, should I start where I left? My thought was yeah, leaving off. Yeah. I think on soccer. Yeah. yeah so um, yeah. So anyway, that, that that's a small thing, but I I, I notice he does that a lot. It, it, he's able to get into those spaces get in those dangerous attacking areas simply, you know, it's body shape and it's also, it's, it's footballing IQ to, to know that I think players, I'm going to say that they're scared or but they lack confidence in the dribble tend to receive the ball with their back towards goal. Cause they, mm-hmm. they, you see Shaka do that quite a bit. Obviously he's, he's the antithesis of a dynamic quick dribbler, but he, when you're, you're, you're receiving the ball back to your goal, you have your, you're creating a shield between, you know, you're putting yourself between the ball and, and the man and the defender. So it's a, it's a more secure positioning to do that. When you receive it on a half turn or let the ball run across, you're opening yourself up to somebody potentially nicking in, but it, but it's having that feel that that's intuition of knowing when that tight space is, is just slightly open where you can ter- open your body up and let that ball run past and that that's the difference between creating the chance um and then you know recycling the ball back into possession i think i think Saka did that both brilliantly on those two goals it's it's, it's a slight thing but it's something he's got again at his age is, is such a special gift for for a player with, with such you know inexperience right now but he he's he's you know proven massive for the team um Two, two through balls, two chances created in a game where those chances just weren't coming. Um, you know, we only had three shots on target, seven total. And, um, but those are, those are differences. And then, you know, of course, Eddie coming on, um, you know, you think, okay, it's just a tap in and it is, but that's, that's where you want your number nine to be. He anticipates, mm-hmm. he anticipates the Ceballos run and he goes to where the ball is going to end up. And that, that's, the definition of a a savvy number nine is is knowing where the ball is going to be, whether it comes or not. It's not a, you know that that's that's Ceballos' brilliant choice to to play that ball. Which again, by the way, I I, I was speaking. I think it was I was talking with Elliot after the match, and um, so, so how many how many players are, are shooting that chance that that Ceballos has? You know, he's through on goal. He could easily you know shape up, try to bend it around the keeper. Um, but he's, he's got the patience and the vision and, and the calmness to just slot it across. And then, you know, I, first thing I was saying is, like, Ooh, that, that might be offside. Um, cause Eddie looked like he was, he was ahead of Ceballos and he, um, but he's like, you know, slightly behind and, and Ceballos just, just coolly plays it over and it's, and it's, and it's the winner. So, um, that's the type of technical, you know, security and, and 
kind of ingenuity. Um, and if, if Ceballos is pro providing that this season, he showed a little, you know, some flashes of it last season, but um, that, that, that's, that's what you need. You need guys to step up in those situations, you know, Saka had taken the ball from the left wing um, dribbled in field, which, which essentially replaces where Ceballos was and Ceballos just re he backfilled where Saka came from. And then he, then what you, you do that is you, you create confusion. Um, you, you put player, you put opposition in, in positions where they don't want to be, which was West Ham's Yarmolenko, who's very much a mm -hmm. forward player. Um, and, and you see him, you know, Ceballos just runs right off the back of him and that's, that's what creates the chance. So um, you can't, you can't get that from standing still and just hoping, you know, balls are going to come into the box or come your way. You gotta, you gotta have the movements. You gotta have the, um, you know, the courage to, to make those, make those movements and, and, and create the chances. So, um, fair play to, you know, Saka, Ceballos and Eddie for finishing and getting the winner. Would you have started El Nene as opposed to Ceballos just because I mean El Nene last game I don't think he did anything wrong and I think he actually played very well or Ceballos had to have started the second game and possibly I, continue to start I think I think why Arteta wanted Ceballos in there was he, he knew West Ham was going to set up in a compact um, structure like they were and I think Ceballos is more likely to provide that kind of incisive through ball and that 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 you know, I have a needle pass. Whereas on that, he's more of a, he's more of a shuffler. He's more of a connector. Um, I think more in a more open match, um, he can be in there and you don't, you don't lose that, that dynamic passing. But I think, I think Danny's in there to, to be a bit of that uh, playmaking ability. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that El Nani did anything wrong. Um, right. But I think, I think Danny, you know, obviously, and also Danny came back on loan yeah. to, to play, to be a starter. I think that was pretty clear from the way he finished the season. So I don't, I don't think it was a surprise that he came in, um, you know, when he was for, you know, readily available and, and fully fit. So I think that's why we saw that change. What did do um, uh, for me, William um, didn't, you didn't see much from him mm -hmm. this game. And like, yeah. I, I, I get like, I mean, West Ham, they, they they had a game plan like we knew that like that's why I think Obama Yang didn't play his best. William didn't play his best. Um, do you, uh, what what do you make of that? Like I mean, obviously it's just second game in. Like should you should people be reading into that? Like I know that he's not gonna have massively good games every single week, but um, it, worrying. I mean, he was kind of like that at Chelsea through his end days, wasn't he? Or? Yeah, well, I, I I wouldn't read too much into it yet. I think everyone looked a bit off. I get probably more credit yeah. to West Ham and the way they were set up. It just didn't allow for kind of free flowing, um, you know, high intensity, high pace attacking football. So to their credit, but yeah, I think William did look a bit off pace. He didn't look as electric or as uh, energetic as he did against Fulham. So uh, yeah, I don't know what you put that down to, but um, I, I do like that Arteta pulled him pretty early pulled. I think he subbed him at like 63 minutes, which is hmm. um, something I don't think he's done in the past, which is, I think he's waited a bit longer kind of this 
after 70, 75 minutes. So I, I'm, I'm glad that he you know saw it wasn't working, needed some something else on there, brought Pepe on. So uh, yeah, I mean that that's that's going to happen. Um, there's going to be matches like that, and um, you know it's, it's up to Arteta to make the change to to counteract that. It, it, speaking of Pepe, like, what do you? Pepe is is an anomaly for me because like mm-hmm. he was he was brought in for like seventy two mil, and highly rated from Lil, and you just you haven't seen is is this a make or break season for him? Like where do you think Arteta puts him? I think I think he's been pretty clear on what he expects and what what he how he views him. I think he I think he really rates him as a player as a talent. Um, I think the biggest thing is and th- this is the tough part in 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 football is he's very much a form confidence player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the type of player he is, is the, the system itself has to um, play to his strengths rather than the player playing to the system strength. And that's difficult because in today's era of football, you cannot, as we've seen with Mesut Ozil, you cannot have, you cannot cater a system to one player, the player mm-hmm. has to be moldable, adaptable, be able to, you know, change, change in, change out of shapes and, and tactics. And that's why I've seen that, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, tyranny do so well and, um, Obama Yang as well, you know, they're, they're, you play them, you ask them to do a job, they do the job they produce regardless. Pepe yeah, and, and Pepe, Pepe struggled, I think, to adapt to that, that, kind of philosophy into that, I think, you know, being asked to, to defend and come back and, and, and r- really run, run his ass off for whether it's 90 minutes or 70 minutes, whatever it is, that, that, that it's not something he's used to. I think last season showed that he was, he was brilliant in some matches and flashes and then was anonymous and was, went missing. And uh, so I think, I think the season is, is, going to be vital for him because you can't you can't really have a 72 million pound player starting one every four matches uh having a good 20 minutes and then missing for 40 or you know having two or three good games and then and then doing you know going cold for the next few matches uh so that's going to be a i think a big storyline to watch um i think obviously bringing willian in uh, and, and starting him on that right side where Pepe is, is a pretty big signal to Pepe to like, hey, we're, we want to do this with you and we want you to be the, the guy we know you can be. But if you're not going to, we can't, we can't wait around for you. We got we to gotta bring someone in who's, who's dependable, reliable from the get-go. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something, again, not, not to sound too alarmist right off the bat, but I, I think it's yeah. something to definitely look at as the season goes on. Yeah, most definitely. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe he just needs his time, and they just brought William in, considering his age, and maybe he can get one more good season, two seasons out of him, and then Pepe can flourish. I don't know, but um, yeah, you're right. He just doesn't seem he to me. He's he's got the face of Mesut Ozil. Like, not doesn't seem really interested, in, or like you know you know that face that Ozil has, um, just like not really interested but they're brilliant like they have uh, clearly we know what they can bring to the table but um you know speaking of Mesut Ozil like he's nowhere to be seen at all 
and uh, w- which is crazy to me because he had some good spells uh, during preseason, did he not? Yeah, um, you know, I and, he, and he's been in training. Um, I saw pictures today. He's in, you know, first team training involved in, in what looks like with some of the guys who you would think would maybe be starting against Leicester in the Carabao cup. So I, there's always that, there's always that hope. I mean, I'll, I'll, I have a soft, soft spot for Ozil just because of his, you know, technical brilliance. I, I mean, all the, the, the challenges and the issues are well-documented. So it's, it's pointless to talk about, but I, part of me, and it's, 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 it's a part that's growing smaller every day, every match that he, that he doesn't play doesn't, or doesn't feature in the 18 is that, Maybe there's still a part for him. Maybe, maybe just, you know, as that one match where he comes on or starts, it's a cup match, whatever it is. And he shows what he can bring. And that that's because there's still, I, for me in this, this game was a perfect example. There still is a creative golf in this team in the middle mm-hmm. of the park. You know, we yeah. saw first week against Fulham, William kind of dropped, dropped a little deeper play, kind of played that number 10 role was, was pretty effective at it against West Ham, he wasn't, and, and that, that was missing. Um, again, a lot, a lot of sideways, backwards passing between Xhaka, the fullbacks, the center backs. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and his skill set is just there, but the problem is that's only one part of it. It's, it's the other, it's the work rate, it's defensive, it's the, you know, running off the ball. And, and again, there's debates on, Actually, his running stats are good, but uh, but regardless, uh, it's now been a few managers who haven't been able to unlock that or or see from him whether it be in training or the matches that that he's going to be able to contribute at this level. So, anyways, but um, yeah, I think overall though that that's we're we're still missing that that cutting edge, that's dynamic runner, dribbler, passer coming for, to connecting the middle third to the final third. I call it the Santi Cazola position. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And, and you look across the league, it, it's, it's, you know, I mentioned it before De Bruyne. Um, mm-hmm. It's those guys who are, who can are box to box and technically secure uh, can, can pass at all angles, all parts of the field. Um, again, you know, everyone would love a guy like that. Of, of course. Is it, um, it, is it that Oriar guy or whatever? The Leon SMOR from Leon. I, I think so. I think Is that's, uh, yeah, I think that's the type of profile. That's exactly that. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, I, is that also Thomas Partey? I don't, I don't think so, but um, I think, I think OR is the player. If you're looking at, you know, probably who Arteta is, is, you know, really wishing for if, if, finances weren't an issue and, and COVID revenues weren't an issue. I think that would be the guy. Absolutely. Um, but, but Arsenal are still, are still wanting to move players. Like, I mean, they have like a defender crisis right now where there's way too many defenders, maybe um, selling or loaning, but like the biggest move that they're talking about right now is Lucas Torreira. So is that like, if, if they can get him moved, and get the funds that they're asking for. Cause right now I think Atletico wants a loan plus an option to buy Arsenal want to sell. If they do that, do they go for uh Hossein buddy boy here or, or Thomas, which one would you prefer? I prefer OR just because I think he is the, he's a technical 
class that we need more of at the club and, and in that position. Um, I like the profile Thomas has, but I think, I think he doesn't give you that added final third ability in that, you know, XG buildup, goal creation, goal scoring threat that I think OR does. He, he is, he is a box to box maestro. I mean, he's, he's, you know, that, level and he showed it at, at, at the champions league and in league oh and he's and he's you know what 20 21 i think so um that that's really the buy um but again the issue is going to be like you said players leaving and, I, and and the problem is not that i don't think clubs want the players we're trying to get rid of but clubs don't want to pay the wages that the players are on mm-hmm. and that and that, that is the problem anytime you buy any player as soon as they come in the Premier League, especially a top, you know, top six wage structure like Arsenal is, you're you're never going to be able to sell them at their current wage structure unless unless you're talking about unless you're selling them selling them up. If you're selling Aubameyang to PSG, whatever, you know, those guys can pay. You're trying to you're trying to sell Lucas Torreira to Torino. They're not paying his wages. Say mm-hmm. say he's on one hundred twenty thousand a week. I'm I'm estimating, but Torino can't pay that. <laughs> Fiorentina can't pay that, and then at Atletico Madrid, although they're a bigger club, they can't even pay that. Hmm. And and they certainly can't pay it now because everyone's revenues are are slashed considerably because there's nobody coming through the gates to to spend money at the stadiums. Um. So you know, Kalasinac, who's gonna who's gonna pay? His hundred. Who's going to pay his hundred and ten thousand a week wage? I mean, seriously, no, nobody is. So now, is somebody going to pay fifty thousand, sixty thousand, and then we pay, we split it? That that's the only way I could see these things happening. And then at that point, you're not. You have to, you know, three to four outgoings may then equal an incoming when you're looking at the wage setup. Mm -hmm. You know, differential. So it's it's complicated And, and. Players aren't just going to, you know, they're not going to give up. Oh, you know, yeah, I made 120K a week at Arsenal. But if I want to go back to Schalke, sure, I'll just forego 50K a week. No one's doing that. Um, Yeah. And so they're going to have to get creative and or take a bath on some of these guys if they want to truly get rid of them. And even then, it'll probably be a loan anyways, because, again, no club really wants to outlay tens of millions of dollars in this current economic climate do you think um lucas herrera will move on i think eventually uh i think he will just because he's going to want to play um and clearly he's not a fit with his manager or with his club um and not not to really put blame on anyone there. Just something that's, that's just how things go sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, but again, I, I don't think we're, it's going to be a cut and dry. Here's a season loan, you know, some team in Syria or La Liga, you pay all your, all his wages and you can have them with a, you know, option to purchase. I think we're going to have to cover some of his wages because that's the only mm-hmm. way it can make sense for the, the buying team what's so i've been hearing a lot of um this on twitter and uh facebook and i hate transfer rumors um and and whatnot but a lot what is this that 
um, Arsenal are doing a swap deal possibly with Chelsea. Like, what? What is? Do you have you heard anything else into that? I've not heard that at all. Yeah. Is there a particular I, I, player, or just, or just no? A... It just doesn't say. Like, they don't say. And and I know. Like, I mean, okay. So A F T V consider, consider the source because I, I haven't seen that reported by any credible sources or even had a remote really sniff of that. So that yeah i mean athletic or espn no um, no nothing nothing credible like that. Oh, okay. we're talking about so like then. aftv like oh so some mate at the chipper heard that <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i have nothing to add to that because I, I even if i haven't even seen that part so i don't even know okay yeah no i thought maybe you have you might have heard something about it but um yeah, it was just it was just odd because they were making it like, um, you know, they're doing like this mystery swap, and I'm like, I, all I've heard was the swapping possibly with Atletico Madrid for Torreira and Thomas, but yeah. that, was, that, that was it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, unless it's yeah something completely hush hush, and I, I mean, I don't even know where the connection would be other than like Petr Cech is their director of football and. He fraudulently threw away four goals in the final against Chelsea two seasons ago in the Europa League, and then the next day became their employee. So that was that's cool. I'm not not bitter about that at all. But it's yeah, all good. yeah. No, we don't we don't have to talk about that at this particular time. <laughs> um, I guess the only I wanted to talk to you about um, uh, Lacazette is is he is he staying or is he going? Like I mean, he scored two goals in two games, like a goal. Yeah. Game. Uh, you know, again, there hasn't been any really concrete offers or rumors. Usually, usually you hear something, um, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's whispers, there's, there's, you know, I haven't seen anything from him. Um, we, we've, we've heard that there hasn't been a new contract offer from Arsenal for him. So he'll, he'll, he'll have a year left after this season. So that's usually, a pretty strong indicator um, if, you know, what, what the future holds. Uh, but I think, you know, for now, again, um, yeah, he's got, he's got two and two. Um, I don't, I, I think, I think we still lack a, again, dynamic shot creating threat from that central forward position. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think it is, again, his build up kind of, uh, bringing other players into play and, and creativity when he drops a bit deeper is, is quite good enough. Um, I think he benefits from having someone in and around him um, that he can play off of and then, and then kind of be that Fox in the box type striker. But the problem is, you know, we don't, we don't have the personnel or the system to accommodate that. So, uh, but in the meantime, listen, if he, if he's, he's finishing his chances um, again, that's, that's really what you want from your number nine. So um, you know, if Eddie's going to push him for, for minutes and, and put on the pressure, that's, that's fine. That's, that's all you can ask for at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind if he left and I mean, I wouldn't be sad if he did type of thing. Um, but, uh, I guess time will tell, right. If he's banging in the goals, keep them because, we, every goal counts in this. Yeah, league. the question is, it, it, that's a difficult position because a who's who's who in Europe is going to shell out thirty-five million plus for Lacazette right now? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, like, just not that, not that because he's not worth that necessarily, but again, the, the financials they just don't make sense for for any club 
um, to, to really have that, yeah. that money available. And then also it's a difficult chance because if you, if we do sell him, where, how do you replace that? Uh, again, pretty proven goal score, not, not elite by any means, but, um, you know, you'd have to maybe take a chance on a younger player who's unproven at the highest level and hope that pays off for that. That's a big risk. You're still, you know, if you sell Lacazette, you're probably still looking at 40 million to 50 million to, to find a replacement. Yep. And again, do Arsenal have that available? I, I don't think they do. So unless, he, unless he goes out, you know, I, I don't, I don't, obviously that I don't think there's anyone coming in um, until that happens. Mm. Fair enough. Um, now, obviously, tomorrow Arsenal play Leicester City uh, in the uh, Caribou Cup. Um, do you like? Do you do you care? Like, does it? Like, I mean, for me, I really it's like one of I, I'll if I can watch it, I'll watch it. Obviously, because it's Arsenal. But to me, yeah, I mean, I, domestic cups. Uh, yeah, I, aside from the Premier League trophy, I don't really rate it. Does it well, matter? the FA Cup, the FA Cup, oh, the matters. FA Cup, yeah, yeah. They care about well. The reason I care about the Carabao Cup, especially this season, especially this time of the season, which is two weeks in, is is it gets opportunities to for guys to earn minutes and to get their fitness and to show what they've got in order to get into the first team for for Premier League matches and and you know, European matches. So I'm, I'm looking guy, I'm talk, thinking about guys like Reese Nelson, hopefully Saliba gets his first start. Um, yeah. you know, um, maybe some younger players, obviously you're looking at Joe Willick. I think Smith Rowe is still injured. So probably look to see Eddie start Pepe will start. So I, I don't, I don't necessarily care more about the result. Um, I'm kind of torn because you want to, I mean, obviously you want to win every match, but you want to win maybe this early on so you can get another fixture, which gives more minutes to these guys. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, but, but then also at the same time, if you lose, you're not too upset because it's, it's a, it's a, it's less fixture congestion going down the road. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, so how it's I kind of it. a, you know, if, if, if we get it, if we sneak out a win, get to the next round, then maybe we can lose drop out. So we don't have, you know, the fixture congestion coming up in, in November and then on to December and all that. It, it, it does make a difference, but I, I think, I think for Thursday's match, it'll be, it'll be good to see. Um, especially, I think Saliba is a big one for me. Obviously we, he hasn't had, he hasn't played for Arsenal in, in, a, in a senior yeah. uh, performance. He played for the under 23s actually last Friday. Yeah, so yeah. that was, a, that was a little surprising when I saw him line up for them, but obviously he's still probably back to full fitness, but um, I, I'm, hopefully he'll start and, and get, we'll get to see him in action. So I guess, I guess obviously the more important game is the one after that, which is against the Premier League champions, a, f- mm-hmm. a fresh early um, test against uh, top six opposition. So that should be interesting considering Liverpool had a tough time against Leeds. Um, and then, and then what did, who did they, they, uh, Chelsea, they two Chelsea, Chelsea two nil. Yeah, that's right. Um, so that, that, that to me is the more important one, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we'll see a heavy, heavy rotation of course. And, um, see if any guys are going to be, you know, playing their way into the match. I mean, Thursday, Monday, so there's enough time off. Um, but if, you know, be interesting to see if, if, if Luis starts, he's kind of, he came in, you know, came in for the last few minutes against West Ham, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
will Arteta want to get him minutes in preparation for Liverpool or, or rest him so he's you know fully ready? Um, you know, the the back line is a big question. Tierney, I haven't heard much about his injury, how severe it is. Uh, obviously, he's not going to feature against Leicester, but um, yeah, that's that's another thing. I was I was surprised, yeah. a little bit surprised when Tierney went out um, that we didn't just go to a back four. Uh, I think that's Arteta being a little cautious given, you know, Gabrielle's brand new. I don't think he trusts holding in a four. Um, so I, I, would, I mean, I, I was maybe anticipating going Gabrielle holding, bringing in Maitland Niles as just a left back and then mm-hmm. playing a flat, a flat back four. Um, cause I think, uh, you know, Colossi Nash is just a woeful option. And so, um, <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if he'll continue a back three, even in this cup match or will he, I, I'd like to see him experiment, play a back four regardless yeah, of what the result is. That. Yeah. See, see what guys can do in that system. And, you know, again, with the injuries, I, I don't think we have a lot of options to, to play three at the back, but we'll see. Is, is Tierney's injury, is it? Is it related to his like previous big one? Was it his ankle or whatever? It was his. It was his hip. He had that hernia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. I mean, that that's what it was. That's what it was being reported as the hip injury. So I don't know if it's. Oh shit. I, yeah, a reoccurrence or just a a slight you know twinge or or discomfort, um, and they're being precautious. I don't know. That that was that's been my big concern with him. Um, you know, he had hernia. So when he came here, you know, he was out for a few months, didn't, you know, before he even got on the field, then he had the, the shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was, that was my big thing is this, he could be the absolute rock at the back. Um, if he can stay fit and, yeah. you know, played a lot of football at Celtic before coming over. And, uh, that's obviously a concern. And so I, I don't know if that's a reoccurrence of that hernia, that, that issue, or if it's just a new kind of light, problem but that that's that's going to be i mean you know huge impact of course uh going forward so we'll, we'll have to see where that lands yeah hopefully hopefully he can come back and fit and um you know we don't have him injured too much and then we have to complain about the arsenal medical staff which has yeah. always been uh, has always been favorite bad. of mine yeah. <laughs> uh, I wasn't gonna go there, but yeah, I, I know how you. I know how you feel, and I know. Well, how apparently, you we did. We did make a new signing on that on that front. Actually, it was a yes. We the, did the goalkeeper. Medic. Well, oh. uh, we we did sign a goalkeeper. That's correct. Yes. Uh, we should mention him. At Runner Alex Runnerson. It's a great name. Yeah. Um, oh, thanks. He goes by Alex Runnerson, I believe. <laughs> Check checking with my Icelandic football sources that that that's what he goes by. But no, I mean that. So he'll be the number two. Um, so that's, you know, replaces Martinez, of course, who went to Villa, but, um, we signed a, a chief medic or physio from PSG, oh. um, who is our, one of our chief physios left at the end of the season to go to Liverpool. Um, I believe his name was Chris Morgan. And we just signed this guy, uh, from PSG who is from according to the sources, pretty highly rated in world football in terms of his his knowledge and expertise and and ability to work with players. So I, I, that's that's a good thing. That's a good well, sign. You know, we'll see what how what dividends that pays. But I, yeah, but wasn't uh, he'll, Shad he'll have his hands full? But wasn't Shad Forsyth as well very highly rated? Forsyth is yeah, and he's a 
performance guy. So he's like a trainer, you know, weight room, mm. uh, you know, stamina guy, right? He's, he's in the in the training center. The guys are are doing their weights. He's he's ahead. Of, he's in charge of that program. This guy is the medical physio. So we're talking yeah. Yeah, rehab and and uh, you know stretching and getting recovery, all that that type of stuff. So, but yeah, good good signing. I guess uh, the relationship with Edu helped he's a brazilian so he knew him from uh, the brazil team so um of course psg has got a look has had a load of those guys over the years so yes exactly yeah, good good signing and of course of course that goalkeeper that you did mention um it, it, just quickly here before we finish off um i've never heard of this guy or where, where does he get yeah so quick he rundown. he we bought him from uh french club uh dijon which is there in Liga. I think the fee was like 2 million or 1.5. So, uh, you know, extremely cheap. Um, he worked with our goalkeeping coach, Inaki Kanya at Norgeland in Denmark. So that's how the kind of Arsenal connection happened. Um, is I, I'm pretty sure it basically came off the recommendation of, of Inaki Kanya to say, Hey, I got this guy I worked with before he's in France. He's apparently very good with the ball at his feet. So he's a modern goalkeeper, not very big. I think he's like six one. Um, so, you know, going to be a number two. It's kind of one of those things where you don't expect too much because hopefully he's not, he's going to be playing, you know, cup. he might play Thursday actually. So we, we might get to see what he's all about pretty soon, but, you know, probably play Europa league like, like Emmy did last season. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a gamble because you're, He's relatively unknown and not sure, you know, what his level really is. But again, you're not in a position to to spend big on a backup keeper who's not going to play that much, hopefully. And that kind of um, kind of sucks for Macy, though, eh? He's like, all oh, right, I'm second now. And then all of a sudden this guy comes in. Yeah, and I think I think that's pretty telling. Um, you know, Macy's been around for a while, youth product. Um, but I, I, I think he would have – I think he's like 22 now, 23. So he's not exactly – you know, at that age where he shouldn't be playing or at least pushing to get, to get backup minutes or, um, so I think that, I think that tells, I mean, Macy's a, a, a massive lad, right? He's like six, six, not, not exactly a modern play out the back, comfortable with the ball at his feet type keeper. So I think probably his time at the club, unless he's going to be the number three, uh, he may go out on loan. I think eventually we'll probably leave the cub permanently would be my guess. But, um, you know, again, we never know keepers and all it takes is one injury and all of a sudden there's, there's opportunities, but yeah. So just like Emmy, that's right. Um, which speaking yeah. of which he saved a, he saved a penalty. So good for him at, uh, yeah. Aston Villa, he'll be missed. Um, but, uh, but obviously he, uh, he need to move on. I get it. I get it. Yeah. That's how it goes. Uh, Anyways, well, Ryan, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, uh, as always, for uh, being on here. Um, I appreciate it, and hopefully we can speak about uh, two good wins next week. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ryan, well, thank you so much uh, for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, We will uh, talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, have a great, great rest of the week.